I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. Okay. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Okay, so uh, I've sobered up. There's still some blackouts. And, uh, I worked in hymens and survived tornadoes and trailers, but that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later having a good time, baby. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dustin Slay. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, who I pre- referred to as my producer for a while, but now is my co-host, Hannah Hogan. Oh, your mic's not on. I'm sorry. Say it again. Great to be here, Dusty. There you are. Uh, well, I'm excited that you're here. I, um, that song that we played was by Troy Ritchie. And Troy Ritchie, I have been trying to get him to uh, make this song into a country song. And I'd like to play what song it is, just for fun. And I'm trying to get him to make it into a country song. I don't know if he's going to do it. Um, but it's it was one of my favorites by this, well, actually the only song I like by this artist. And it's Kesha. And the song is, I don't think this is the right mix. Okay, I've talked about that before. Hannah doesn't wear a headphone, so she has no idea what I played. But the Kesha Take It Off song. I played it for Hannah the other day, um, and um, I've always wanted that to be a country song, and I think it will be great. So I sent that to Troy Ritchie the other day because he did such a great job with the intro for me. I thought, this guy's magic. He'll be able to make this happen. I don't know that he is going to do it, but he sent me back a laughing message. Maybe he's laughing because you didn't even offer any pay. It uh, could be. Well, I don't know if I didn't offer it. But I don't, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't like to force money on people. You know what I mean? No. I don't, I don't like to force money on people, <laughs> you know? Okay, so we're back. This should be the continuation of the Spectracide story, but we thought, in one way, we thought, we'll give it a little rest. We'll start that again next week. Uh, we'll give it a little break in between, but also... I realized that my notes this morning, I did not finish the notes. I mean, I, I finished them on, on one side, like I have, but I didn't organize it. So it's not going to be as good 
without being organized. I have 2011 and 2012. We have two more parts to the Spectracide story, but I thought, let's give it a break. Got a lot, got a lot going on. Lots happened. Uh, last week, we told you that um, we had adopted a new cat. All right, so that was on Monday. Um, and then the next day, Hannah and I got up. We were having some breakfast. We fed the cat. Then I let the cat outside. And about five minutes later, I went out there, and the cat had killed and was eating one of my birds. You saw it, Hannah. Yeah, I did see it. Um, yeah, it, it was just eating a whole bird. I mean, it ate the entire bird. It was a finch, one of my favorites. And it had, it was just, I, I got out there and it was eat, just eating the body. I mean, it had just been fed. That was the shocking part is it shouldn't have really been hungry because it had just been fed. But I think it's the hunter nature. And then it, I mean, all that was left was a foot. Mm. And we took it inside and I cleaned it up. And I let the cat out later and it went right back to that spot sniffing around, wondering, I guess, probably where that foot was at. You know what, though? I mean, we, we've been sort of, you know, our cat is just a murderer. But you got to kind of wonder about the birds and their agility and skill because the cat had a collar on with a bell, so it's like the birds should have been on it. Well, from the time that this coronavirus uh, plagued our lives, uh, I've been earning the trust of the birds. I've been... I've said on here many times, I can't understand why the birds run away when I go outside. <laughs> I'm the one that feeds them. I'm the one that, that gives them water. I give them homes. Why do they run away when I go outside? I've been trying to earn their trust. And now the cat has decided, oh, I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to start Eating the birds. So then there was that. Then Hannah went to work, and I was home with the cat. And the cat wanted to be everywhere I wanted to be. Uh, up around my legs and ankles and just everywhere I wanted to be. And I eventually was like, I, I brought it upstairs to my room here. And it just want, it wanted to crawl behind the couch. It wanted to get all up in the wires and everything. And I was like, all right, I can't trust you. I don't know what's going on. So I took the cat and just put it out of the room. It still had the rest of the house to roam in. But what does it do? I go downstairs, and the cat's making a weird meowing noise. And as I get to the bottom of the steps, I turn and look. And it has knocked over four clay pots where I have my succulents, also, my new hobby since I've been locked down and not allowed to do comedy. Um, it had, and it broke these pots on the floor, just shattered them. It was a wreck on the floor. And that was it for me. Uh, I was so mad. I can't trust the cat outside. I can't trust the cat inside. And we talked about it. And then so for the next few days, Wednesday, Thursday, Hannah worked. Uh, all day, and I sat with the cat, and uh, mostly putting the cat. I didn't sign up to be a unemployed cat dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
I put it on Facebook asking if anybody wanted to get it. And everybody, oh, these, I love, I love Facebook, right? Because everybody's an animal rights activist. Everybody loves a cat. Everybody, oh, I'll adopt anything. Oh, I love them. But nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted the cat. Everybody said, oh, what a beautiful cat. That cat is blah, 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 blah. That cat's worth a lot of money. But nobody wanted to pick it up for free. So my stepmom, Martha, post, we'll take it. And I'm pretty sure she put like an, a laughing emoji. And I said, do you want me to bring it to you? And she comments, your dad says bring it on. And then my sister, uh, my sister by my stepmom, I just got to clarify, I got a lot of sisters and we're spread out a bit. <laughs> uh, my sister by my stepmom, Brooke. Same daddy. Same dad, different mom. Brooke, she commented, I'll take it. Also a laughing emoji. Now, Brooke and Martha and my dad, they live in houses side by side. So I'm like, if they're both willing to take it, and they got a lot of animals anyway. I'd like to get into that. Uh, but if they're willing to take it, then I'm, I said, all right. So we decided to drive down on Friday morning. So we drove five hours down to Alabama in a terrible storm. I mean, this storm we were driving through was lightning, thunder. You couldn't even see a couple of feet in front of the car. And, and Yeah, it was a Bermuda Triangle in northern Alabama. Yeah. And then we, we, got, uh, we drove it all the way down to uh, Pennon, Alabama, uh, right outside of Lafette, Chambers County. and Can, can I say something about the storm? Yeah, anytime. Um, you made a good point. So we're in the middle of the storm in our car. You know, for a while we're listening to the, you know, music or podcast, and we're like, let's switch it on to the news and see what they're saying. So we switch it on to the news, and we find this weather guy giving updates about the storm. And really, his main update is like, well, there was a guy in Murray County that got struck by lightning. But then his his main way of tracking the storm was telling us which counties it was in. And this is a thing that news reporters do a lot. They always go by county. Right. Yeah, and who even knows what county they're in? If you're traveling, like even the other day, I mean, since I didn't grow up around here, I was asked what county uh, I live in, and I was like, oh, gosh, what county do I live in? I've moved a couple of times, and a county is just not something that you think about all the time. Like, I know the county I grew up in, right? But it's like you just don't think about county. And when you're traveling, there's not – you don't when you're, when you're on the interstate, you don't pass through counties, and they label it for you. So we're just driving down the road, and he's like, oh, this – Storm is in Murray County, but next it'll be in Lawrence County, and it just passed through Johnson County. And I'm like, we're in Birmingham. Can you tell us what city? And then he kept being like, yeah, a guy got struck by lightning. No update on how he's doing. And it's like he kept saying it over and over again. I'm like, dude, we're on the road right now. Who do you think is listening to the radio? You think people are sitting at home with a transmitter radio going, ooh, I wonder what Bob's saying at WLPN. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're listen they're watching television at home and people listening to the radio, 95% of them are in a car or vehicle. Yeah. And yeah, I And then so then when the storm cleared up a bit, you know, Dusty's like, "Call that radio station." Yeah. <laughs> Give them a piece of your mind. I'm like, "Look, I'm not trying to call a radio station right now. I'm trying to recover 
from my cortisol. Well, the guy, I mean, he needs to know, though. I mean, I, I, I don't know who needs to tell him, but he, he does need to know. It's like, dude, if you're going to, and he was like acting like he was the weatherman. He was like, yeah, you tune in here and we'll bring you all the updates. And it's like, dude, you didn't give us, you gave us nothing. Yeah. Like we could tell you somebody got struck by lightning. Hell, it was almost us. You yeah. know what I mean? But I just think that uh, I just can't, I can't handle what people are doing on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, everywhere you go, I mean, it's always like that. They give you the counties and it's like, the county? I mean, come on, man. You have to even look up a separate map to find out the counties of a of a state. And then even then, you're kind of guessing like, well, I think I'm probably in Murray County, but I don't know. I could be on the edge. And, and also, what, you know, what side of Murray County is it? All of Murray County? Is it eastern Murray County? It also, like, we knew what direction we were driving. It would have been helpful if he was like, because this is my thinking. I kept thinking, well, if it's moving south, maybe we try to get ahead of it, and then we can drive in front of it. But if it's moving north... Maybe we just stop for a minute and right. let it pass over. But he we gave had zero direction. Yeah, we had no idea what was going on. Yeah, zero direction. So we got down to Pennon, and you know, my dad has my dad lives on a farm, and they got a lot of animals down there right now. I mean, my dad always raised cows, and then when my sister started to get older. She got into horses, and so he started to get horses again. We had horses when I was a kid, but he started to get horses again. So he's got, he's got cows and horses, and then at some point, they started, like, raising dogs and or rescuing dogs. Now, I don't mean, like, they went down to the pound and got a dog and called it a rescue. I mean, my stepmom, Martha, will find dogs— like, just that people have just dropped off and just, like, abandoned. And she'll pick them up and bring them back to the house, and they'll take care of them. Some they have to have in a pen because even though they're way out in the country, they live kind of off a main highway, and animals get killed on that highway a lot. So when they're first bringing them in, a lot of times they'll have to put them in a pen just so they don't run right out in the road and get killed. And they have... They were raising huskies at one point. Uh, that was what my sister was doing. I think my sister and her husband, they now live in a separate house. They have their own pen, and they're raising pit bulls. But at my dad's house, currently, there was, what was it? There was three dogs and pens, two chocolate labs, and a, and a husky. The chocolate labs, I think, are going to become new dogs that they breed. Very sweet dogs. They come inside at night. The Husky, I think, comes inside at night, too. Uh, the Husky is being sold right now. That's three. They have another dog, kind of a mutt, called Buddy. And Buddy is the best dog. My dad even lets Buddy in at night. Uh, but Buddy's an outdoor dog. Buddy just chills. I mean, he is not getting fired up. He just chills. And then there's a cat inside. And then they have a, a, a dedicated inside dog named Lulu. So at night... There is five dogs inside and a cat. And the cat, and then now they have two cats. They used to. We brought our cat. Yeah, we brought our cat, which is a beautiful cat. I mean, just a beautiful cat, but I can't deal with it. I, 
even the smell. I don't know what's happened to me. I mean, I grew up so country, but we never had inside dogs. That was just not something that we did. My dad would have some inside cats and whatnot, but my mom, I live with my mom mainly, and she never had an inside dog and never had a cat. We just didn't have inside pets, and I don't like them. I don't like the way things smell. I like a nice, crisp air. I want my air quality to be as pristine as possible. I like breathing. I'm a big fan of it. I've often wondered if there's a way I couldn't hook up some kind of oxygen tank in here and just pump in some just pure oxygen just a little bit, you know, because just to get our oxygen levels up a bit more in the house just so we, when we're home, it's just like a, just a, just a wonderful uh, uh, smell of, and, 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 just, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Just get I, that clear-headed oxygen. Head. Yeah, just oxygen is so good for you. You need it. And I don't want cat hair particles floating around in my oxygen. Yeah. And the litter box, we had put it up in our, our laundry room. And, and Hannah was very diligent about, about changing it out. And But in a matter of three days, the smell of the litter box had already crept into our bedroom. And I couldn't do it. But anyway, so... And, you know, this cat, we explained in the previous podcast, it was just hanging out at our house. We, you know, Dusty would spray it with a water bottle, shoo it away, be mean to it verbally, and it would just keep coming back. And so we decided eventually it just kind of wore us down and we took it in. And I loved the cat because the thing is, is we're sort of painting the cat as some sort of tyrant. And it wasn't. It was a very sweet cat. It was an indoor cat. But, you know, it ate a bird and it knocked down some plants because it's a cat and it was doing what cats do. I don't paint the cat as a tyrant. I don't think that's what I'm doing at all. But, but I, I understand what you're saying. The cat is a beautiful cat. The cat is a sweet cat. And yes, but you're right. It's doing what cats do. And that's what I don't like about it. And, you know, I have to be honest with myself. You know, I did love the cat. I was very sad to let it go. But, you know... Within three or four days of picking up an animal's poop and pee twice a day, it loses its luster a little bit. You know, I was just kind of like, is this who I am now? You know, and and, and then the other thing is, is, you know, you make food and the cat gets up on you when you're eating your food. And and so I think like I was still perfectly happy to keep the cat. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, I don't. This is annoying. Yeah, I mean, and then someone told me that a cat can live for up to 20 years. Oh, yeah, and Dusty kept being like, we're going to have this till I'm 58 years old. Yeah, I mean, just the thought that that I would have a cat until I'm 58 years old. Uh, a cat that was annoying me the first day it arrived. Um, so the cat's gone. I mean, last week, gone. last week we were like, we've adopted a cat. <laughs> it's gone now. It's gone. And we've been trying to sort of figure out, like, what did it all mean? Well, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it just felt so fateful. It it did. And and that's why we adopted the cat. It felt like, you know what, if, if we've been this mean to a cat and it won't go away, this cat, and people even said it on the Facebook post that I made. They said... This cat chose you. That's your cat now. It did now. feel like that. And it did feel like it chose us. Because even at your dad's, I mean, 
the cat was, you know, very intimidated by the other animals in the house, but it was sort of hiding away and, you know, sneaking off into crevices and we'd have to call it out and, you know, calm it down. But at our house, he was just stretching out. He was kicking it. He, was, I, he had no idea how good he was having it. But I will say it kind of serves the cat right. I mean, you know, when he was here by himself, he was a bully to all the other animals around. Yeah. I mean, he killed a bird and just ate it right in front of us. And then he gets to a, a in the country and all those all those other animals. He's like, oh, dang. Yeah. And, uh, but you know what? The cat's going to be fine because um, my stepmom and my dad, I mean, they love animals. I mean, they my oh, dad, yeah. that other cat just lays up on my dad's lap in his chair up there and they love animals. And then I want to get to my sister and her husband. I mean, they're raising pit bulls now. I don't know how many of those they have. I won't go up there to their house. I'm not into that many dogs like that. And then... Um, you got an aversion to dogs, huh? Well, they have... Then they have chickens. Uh, they have... Rabbits. Rabbits, they said they're raising. And they're thinking about getting some goats. So my, my brother-in-law is in the military and he's from northern Pennsylvania. And her and him and my sister got married. They're b- probably both there. She was 18, he was very early 20s. And he is like completely fallen in love with the country. I mean, the guys like telling my dad, he's like, "Hey, will you help me hook up the bush hog? I want to bush hog that field out there." I mean, my da- that guy is like I think what I was supposed to be. Yeah. And uh yeah, he's right into it. I mean, he's loving it. He's loving the country. And so, you know, they're getting into it. He's learning to bale hay, which is, you know, a dream for my dad, for my dad to not have to bale all his own hay. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday night, we went out to the Penn and Grill. Now, the Penn and Grill is owned by the Edge family. Now, the Edge family, when I was growing up, there was a store there called— This is in Alabama. Yeah, still right there in my dad's town. Um. Their last name is Edge. And when I was growing up, a guy named Larry Edge ran uh, this store. He ran um, a store called Edge's Grocery, and it was just an old, raggedy store. I mean, a raggedy wooden store, and but it was always so busy. People were coming in and out of there. He served gas, groceries. We used to ride our four-wheelers up there and get a pint of Bluebell ice cream. And we would get Cokes, and he had a, we used to have a charge account up there. And um, we would go up there, and we could just tell Larry, put it on the tab. And then my dad would come pay the tab later. But then my stepbrother started buying cigarettes up there, and uh, tab got pretty jacked up. And then we weren't allowed to charge anymore. Uh, and that's the day that I drank gas, because we weren't allowed to charge things anymore. So we couldn't go get gas for our four-wheelers. So we tried to steal it out of the lawnmower, and that's when I drank gas. Um, I was fine, supposedly. Who knows? But, uh, you know, and a lot of the edges, you know, I'm still friends with. And uh, Adam Edge, I think, listens to the podcast sometimes. And also, Larry used to own a um, a go-kart track, which was, a, a, you know, not, not some go-kart track that you come pay money and ride around the track. It wasn't a tourist attraction. It was like on a circuit people that were in the go-kart competing world would come ride the dirt track go-kart. And then there was also Stock Car, a dirt track stock car. Uh, There's a song by Jim Croce, Rapid Roy. Oh, Rapid Roy, that 
what is it? Oh, rapid roar, that's Dakar boy. Yeah. Uh, dirt track demon is what they called him. Uh, I would, I wish that I don't have the uh, adapter for my phone to play Spotify, but, um, so I'm a little out of sorts with that. I'd like to play that song, but I don't have, I got a little adapter that will go so that I can plug my phone in. Don't get distracted though, babe. Stay on the story. I am staying on the story, but the story sometimes requires an adapter. Requires a, a song, you know. Oh yeah. So you find it? I found it. Yeah. All right. I told you I found it. Hmm. So, um, so the um, so the edges. I mean, they ran an empire. Here it is. I'm playing it now. All right, so that's it. So I played it. Um, Hannah doesn't wear headphones, so she couldn't hear it. So uh, they had all that going on. I mean, in, in the small town of Penn and Alabama, they had all that going on, and the Edges owned it all. And outside in Lafette, they also had Edges Cable Company and Edges Gas Company. I mean, they had an empire. So Larry passed away uh, not too long ago, and the store is basically shut down, which is pretty sad. But uh, Bill Edge now is running what's known as the Pen and Grill. It's important to know that the town, is, the name is spelled P-E-N-T-O-N, like Penton. But if you say Penton or in, if, you, if you try to pronounce the T at all, people around there will make fun of you and say that you're obviously not from around here or you've been gone too long. That's what they say about me now. If I go Penton, I'll go, I'll say Penton. They go, you've been gone too long. Saying Penton, they say Pennon. Pennon? Pennon. Uh-huh. Like just two N's, P-E-N-N-A-N, Pennon. Right. Uh, so, but that's what it's called, the Pen and Grill. And, you know, I've been there many times. It's, you know, it's mainly fried food. Everything is just deep fried. And my dad loves to go there. My dad goes there all the time. I mean, he eats at the Pen and Grill probably every day that they're open. And it always does me wrong. My stomach always feels bad and I'm just struggling, but I go. And we go down there this time. My cousin Kelly, she works there. And it's a Friday night. I don't know that I've been to the Pen and Grill on a Friday night. We go down there. Bill's working. Kelly's working. All the table, all the chairs are up on the tables. Like, they don't even, they're not even ready for dine-in. Half the lights are on. Half the lights are on. And they have a drive through there. And that the drive through they were like, they were so busy with the drive through Everybody in the town and surrounding towns were making call-in orders. I mean, they were stressed in there. It's just the two of them working. And then we go in and we take some table and chairs down and Martha, my stepmom, she just, you know, she just is like basically our waitress. She takes all our orders, writes it down and then get, and then like, we were like, we walk in and my dad's like, what do you want? And I was like, 
I don't know. I'd like to see a menu, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't come here every day. <laughs> yeah. And then so I look at the back, uh, the back menu, and I say, I'm looking at that. And Bill, the owner, he goes, oh, don't look at that. He goes, who knows what's up there? And then he hands <laughs> me a, like one paper menu. There's a one paper menu in there. And it's just printed. It's just paper printed on one side. And then he has two one-sided papers stapled to each other. And he gives that to me, and I order a patty melt with some onion rings. And then Hannah gets the same because she likes to copy me, and uh, we like to copy each other. We tend to order the same things in a do restaurant. Do we? No. I think we do. We're thinking alike. Are and we when, that couple? And when one of us orders something, we go, dang, that does sound good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we... Uh, well, but also, like, I'm in your territory, and, like, I'm going with whatever you're ordering because I'm assuming you know what's going to be good. Well, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get the least amount of fried stuff. I like fried stuff, as you know, but it messes me up. I don't do well anymore with fried, even though I got the onion rings. <clears throat> but, so we order, and we're sitting down, and then we help ourselves to our drinks, uh, which is not a self-serve drink thing. It's behind the counter. This is all behind the counter. And then uh, other people start coming in. Jeff Jones, the coroner and funeral home owner, <laughs> Uh, comes in with his dad, and my dad and Jeff Jones have been friends for years, uh, so they start talking, and then more people come in, and as people come in, they just start taking their own chairs down and sitting down, and then a lot of people, there were people that had never been there before, which is mind-blowing to me. You've never been there before, but you walk in, you take the chairs down, and you just <laughs> sit down, and so Martha just starts helping people. And, you know, she, you know, I ended up getting a table, a menu. I helped some people take down some chairs and it's just, uh, and then, and then. And it's taken some of these tables, maybe 15, 20 minutes to place an order, but they just, they're taking the time too. Yeah. I mean, and the whole time the drive-through is just popping and the grill is just totally fired up. I mean, that place is popping. And then Kelly even calls her daughter in, Michaela, and she comes and she starts waiting tables. I mean. The play, and it was just a good, fun vibe in there. I was like, I was so shocked. I mean, Pennon is so, um, I mean, it's so out of the way of everything that you just wouldn't expect. I mean, there were some young people in there. There were old people in there. There were families in there. You just wouldn't expect that that was going on in there. It's about the size of a trailer. Yeah, it's very small. It's not a trailer, but it does have that similar shape. I asked, is this a trailer? And there's no design to it there's no there's no care to uh aesthetics they're not like oh let's i mean what's hanging on the wall is pictures of of stock cars from the dirt track and you got that classic like 1970s wood paneling that you see in a lot of like mid-century kind of homes and then also just maybe later than that too yeah and and it's just like but the but then the food came Oh, oh, I'll say this. Uh, I wanted to, we thought about ordering some wings, and Bill said, well, I just dropped 50 wings in the fryer, so I'll have to thaw some out if you want wings, which I took as uh, don't order the wings. And uh, so the 50 wings went to my sister and her husband. They, they got two plates of 25 wings, and he was like, we'll eat these all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, they've been to the Penton Grill before. Yeah, they got a plan. I mean, but you know, the patty melts came, and I'm going to be honest, it's like one of the best patty melts I've ever had. Oh, it was delicious. It was so good. I was shocked. Because I don't, I mean, I got no criticism of the food at the Penn Grill, but I, I, I thought I had an idea of what it was going to be. And it was so good. I couldn't believe it. It was perfectly toasted and buttered Texas toast, just the right amount of sauce and well-cooked burger. I mean, it, it had that kind of like, you know, grill flavor, but also home-cooked. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. And then, and then we left, and um, we went to back to the house, and uh, the guest bed, they had some pretty, at my dad's house, they had some pretty weak pillow action going. I mm-hmm. mean, they were very flat, old pillows. And then I had been eaten up by red bugs a couple of days before. My entire left leg is still covered with red bumps. I mean, it was eat up. So now I'm in bed. I'm, I feel like because the pillow is so flat, I feel like I'm like laying on my head. I feel like my feet are above my head. I got heartburn. <laughs> I feel like I'm burping up uh, patty melt acid. And my leg is itching and I'm smelling cats. And my leg is just itching uncontrollably. It's just itching. So it was a rough night. I barely got any sleep. The next morning, we had already planned to wake up very early to go to another restaurant in town. Uh, just outside in another town called Abanda. It's called the Abanda Cafe, where we've been before. Have you been to the Abanda Cafe before? Yes. You have been. Yes. But it's been a while. Mm-hmm. But we went on a Saturday morning. It was so popping. Actually, this restaurant is really good. The lady that owns it uh, is has a really good restaurant. And yeah, she's, small business owner. She's a great cook. And, and we have a couple of Abanda Cafe coffee cups that we drink out of here at home. And we were in there, and I just ordered grits because I was still so full from the patty melt. Hannah had a pancake the size of the plate. Well, let me say this, and this is no disrespect to where your dad lives or your to your dad, but in the four years I've been living down here, every single time we go down to visit your dad, I brace myself because it is impossible to eat healthy down there. And I'm not even some health freak. I just don't want to eat fried, greasy food for three days straight. And yet, that is what always happens. You cannot avoid it. And I actually planned on not getting any breakfast at all at a Banda Cafe simply because I had eaten such a greasy meal the night before. But because Dusty's diet is pretty um, strict... And he only got grits. And I didn't want to go to this restaurant and be rude and not order anything. But there is nothing that you can eat that even is a shadow of healthy. So I got pancakes. And I'm like, this is it again. Yeah. And, you know, you, you all, I always just ride back in the car with just a brick full of cholesterol. Well, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, in a lot of, you know, a lot of southern places, I also don't eat pork. I don't eat pork uh, for religious reasons, right? And um, uh, I'd like to talk about that on this podcast at some point, but I don't eat it, and that's why. And that's offensive to people. It's so offensive to your dad if, if we don't 
eat something. So I, but I like the Abanda Cafe. I've eaten there many times, but since the last time I was there, I've taken a, taken a food allergy test and I'm allergic to wheat and I'm allergic to eggs and I don't eat pork. So what are my options? My options are basically hash browns or grits. Covered in cheese. And I, I well, I don't know if they were covered with cheese, but I, I love grits. I mean, I feel like that I'm, I'm being in a positive tone and Hannah takes it to a negative Well, I'm tone. just trying to, to but, explain what what I go through. Well, but I, I will just, say the pancake was delicious. I mean, yeah, it was good food, yeah. but it's not good for you. Well, we'll say that. All right, but it just is. It's rough on my body, is what I'll say. And um, but yeah, I feel like we've really taken it to a negative tone. Oh, and I wanted me. I wanted stuff about. I mean, they wanted it to be very positive because it is positive. What What was fun was that the Abanda Cafe is full of people. It's full of life. And everybody that goes there loves the food. Every, I mean, they come there every day that it's open, and they love the food. They love the way it tastes. They love everything about it. People do eat pork. They do eat cheese. They do eat greasy food. And they love it. They're excited about it. But we do try to make an effort to not eat that way. So when you do eat like that, you feel it. It affects you. And I used to eat like that all the time, but I was pretty overweight and I felt pretty bad and I ate Tums like it was, uh, like it was oxygen. And Which we know you love. So, yes. But we had such a great time. And we were gone again later that day on Saturday. We left. And we... Um, but this is how country a band is, though. Because your parents, your stepmom and your dad drink decaf coffee. Oh, yeah. Well, they drink decaf coffee. My dad has had to switch from caffeine. He drinks decaf now. And so I guess Martha just, you know, Martha just goes with the flow. She's like, whatever. I don't even care that much about coffee. So she drinks decaf now too. But the Abanda Cafe has said, we're not going to make decaf. You're the only people drinking decaf. We're not going to make decaf coffee. So my dad and Martha take their own mug of decaf coffee, a big mug, and they pour their own refills and they just sit there with their decaf. Yeah, first thing your dad do, he sits down and he, t- he goes to the waitress, get me one of them cups. <laughs> 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 and, then I, and then I just see them pour their own thermos with a decaf coffee. I'm like, this is country out here. But what's great, I mean, I love it. I mean, the, they've, they've taken the tables and they have pictures of all the regulars that come there and they've put the pictures on the tables and put like a lacquer over them. So now the, the regulars are a part of the restaurant and they have a picture on the wall uh, of me with Jay Leno, Nate Bargatze and Jeff Foxworthy, a uh, picture that we took at the Grand Old Opry hanging on the wall. And then they have a poster of me at, in my Grand Old Opry debut uh, hanging on the wall. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, and I love it. I mean, I'll go there every time, and I, I see people that I've known since my childhood. But, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I didn't mean, I'm not being negative towards any of the businesses individually. It's more so the struggle of of being in that area and looking for vegetables. Well, yeah, I mean, that that is true. Like at the Pinton Grill, there was a salad on there, but I know... I've never had the Pinton Grill salad, but I've had enough country restaurant salads to know that it's iceberg lettuce, croutons, cheddar cheese, and... A lot of ranch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot of ranch. 
I mean, it's not going to be vegetable heavy. It's going to be, uh, and then and then I would probably get made fun of for ordering that. You can't order that with your dad. Yeah. So, but I mean, that your was, dad's a real man. He wants to see eat some sort of animal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My dad will, you know, shame me for not eating pork. He's done it many times in a Waffle House and Huddle House. I actually <laughs> had uh, one time in a Waffle House. He goes. He said to the waitress, he goes, he's one of those weirdos that don't eat pork. (laughs) (laughs) And the waitress gets all biblical on me. And she said, well, Jesus says I can eat whatever I want (laughs) and uh, whatever. And I was like, I was like, I am not trying to get into any kind of debate in here. I'm just trying to, I'm not, not ordering. I just don't want bacon. Um. But you can't talk to people about. It. I mean, I don't eat pork, and I, and I I used to love pork. I used to tear. I mean, there was a there was a barbecue buffet in Somerville, and Somerville, South Carolina, and I would work a Lowe's up there. And on certain days, they would have ribs on the buffet. So for like ten bucks, it was all you could eat ribs. I mean, I would go up there and I would destroy some ribs. I mean, I loved ribs. I love pulled pork. I love bacon. I love ham. Uh, I love. Uh, you know, I don't know, pork chops. I used to like to cook a pork chop, fry it up in the pan, eat it with a little maple syrup and bread. Delicious. Chicken is still good that way, fried chicken with maple syrup and and, and bread. But I quit eating that stuff. And I I haven't eaten it in like eight years, and I don't regret it. I I don't eat shrimp or scallops or oysters anymore either. And... You know, I don't eat crab cakes anymore. That that may be a shocker to some listeners out there because I talk about how much I love crab cakes. And I do love crab cakes. But you know what is a, a good uh, second that's, a, you know, a clean food is a salmon cake. They make those and delicious. So that was our trip. And I'd like to talk about a couple of other diners. You you prepared for that? I got to leave in about 10 minutes. Well, you'll you'll leave when when we're done here. Oh, okay. <laughs> hmm. All right, now I know. Thank you. Well, I want to talk about a couple of diners here. We um, and the reason is a, a friend of mine told me. Actually, you know what? I don't want to do the diners because part of doing the diners is I wanted to read some reviews for the camera, and then to post them on YouTube. So if the camera's not working, yeah, I don't want to do those. I messed up. You didn't mess up, but if you're if you're gonna have the title of producer, we need you to be producing something. I don't even know what a card is and what it means <laughs> to be full. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean you've taken on the title of producer, uh, and uh, all right. So I, I'll talk about this. This is what some comics I hear comics do this sometimes. They'll go. I, I see it mainly at festivals. They'll be up there and they'll be talking about something that they think is hard hitting, right? But they'll will forget to put it in any kind of joke form. They'll be talking about something and then when everybody stops laughing, they go, "Oh, too real for you, huh?" <laughs> and then they leave there thinking that the audience just can't handle the truth that they're bringing, <laughs> right? <laughs> And it's just not, that's not the case. The, you got to put it in a joke. There's this weird thing that people think that they, that 
comedians are, are, are truth tellers and they're dropping some kind of hidden knowledge that other people don't have and it's their obligation to speak truth to power as a comedian. And I mean, really by definition, your job is just to make people laugh. I mean, we're essentially clowns in a way where we go up and we just, you know, make people laugh. I mean, maybe, you know, slam poetry or even a storytelling thing. But, you know, that's what I've always disliked about storytelling shows is they get so serious and they're so sad. And I'm like, why are we telling these? Modeling. Like I would be... At a, the last storytelling open mic I went to, the first guy goes up, and he's just talking about his sister or whatever, and, like, she's been into drugs and this and that. And, you know, to me, when I hear a story, I'd like to hear a turnaround to positivity. That's why I like the TV show Restaurant Impossible. Restaurant Impossible is Robert Irvine. He's a really jacked British dude. And he goes (laughs) into these country restaurants and he yells at them and he tells them how much their food sucks and how ugly their restaurant is and how terrible their service is. But by the end of the show, he's helped them run a better restaurant. He's improved the quality of their food and he has turned their restaurant around. Uh, so there's a, there's a positive in the end. He's telling people truth about their restaurant and making them aware of why their business is failing. So yeah, they had this, this episode last night, they had an open face roast beef was just deli meat. I was like, come on now. Anyway, um, I don't know how I got off track on Rob. But anyway, this guy was telling the story about how his sister had been into drugs. And then he goes, and last week, my sister died. <laughs> and I was like, jeez, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was also produced by NPR, so. <laughs> I was like, gosh, man. Yeah. You ain't got no... Uh, you got no positive message here. This does not turn around at all. Yeah. It's a tragedy. I was like, gosh, dude. And then he just, he's done. And it it, it was a contest. He didn't even stick around for the contest. And my take on it is people are lonely and they need to tell somebody. This is, like, that's what I oftentimes think about AA meetings. I've been to a few AA meetings. And that's what those will be. Like, people stand up and tell their story. And you can tell sometimes that people are new and they're just telling their story for the first time. But you can also tell that some people go there. They got their story down, man, and they tell it all the time. And it's just their opportunity to to talk to somebody and tell people. But here's the thing. That guy who told that story about his sister dying, that was my favorite story of the night. Was it? Yeah, some people just connect to stuff like that. I'm like, dang, like, you know, she had a lot of mental illness and – and it was just harsh. And I cried like five times just sitting there listening to all those stories. And also, I've also been to a, uh, a few AA meetings. And I like them. I mean, it's sad, but I kind of like them because I'm like, wow, like I'm not that far gone. And this is what I'll say. Eddie Ortiz was the host of that show. And I enjoyed Eddie hosting that show because I thought that Eddie brought a good like sarcasm and like good like energy of like whoa that was intense without saying that 
Uh, I enjoy Eddie Ortiz as a comic here in Nashville, and I enjoyed him in that setting uh, as a host of the storytelling show. And then about a week later, a tornado came and blew that place away. Yeah. (laughs) So that's pretty sad. Mm. So that's really the storytelling sadness of it. If you have to get out of here, Hannah, that's okay. I mean, I, I was just joking with you. I don't. You, oh. don't, you don't have to stay the whole time. I mean, oh, okay. I'd like Well, it. I have to go. I'd like you to. But well, I have to leave, though. I have to be somewhere. Yeah, but you have to leave at 930. It's only 9. Yeah, but, you know, I want to get, get myself together. Okay, so what what do you have to say about the you're never too real comment that I made? Um, You know, I don't do stand-up comedy anymore. Um, but it's still close to me because I was around it for so many years and I did it for so many years. And the thing that I've ultimately realized is, um, I think a lot of people get lost trying to be powerful, trying to have social commentary, trying to make change with their comedy And I think that if you can just focus on being funny, if you can do it and, you know, talk about culture and politics and get laughs, great. But if you really are not getting laughs, then you're not powerful. You're not saying something too soon. You just don't get it. You don't get what audiences are going to respond to, which is an escape from the... Uh, heaviness and the um, debates of the world. So that's what I think. Pretty simple. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Listen, this podcast is, uh, I'm going to be editing it a bit, and it's probably a bit of a mess because we've had some technical difficulties here and there. And then the plan got changed and interrupted. And I just, and Hannah's got to go. And uh, so there's a lot going on in here. So, I'm going to finish the podcast off with a story about uh, going to a, um, you want to say bye, Hannah? Yeah, I got to go. Because you have to go to work. Yeah, I got to go to work. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good podcast. All right. And um, the, um, so one time I was at this bar, I was at Acme Bar and Grill, which uh, apparently Acme Feed and Seed uh, in Nashville, which apparently has closed permanently due to uh, the coronavirus shutdowns. I don't know that it's due to the virus. It's due to our mayor uh, not allowing places to open at all. And, uh, and they permanently shut down. But it was a really great venue that I liked a lot. And... Uh, one night I was in there with some friends. I had some friends come to town. Uh, I think it was Evan and Vince, and we were about to hit the road and go on tour, do our seaside tour that we used to do every July. Um, and we were sitting in there, and they had a, a band on the stage in the front and the main stage, and it was a mix of people. You know, it was a bunch of different instruments, couple of white guys, couple of black guys, varying ages, but they all felt like they were probably in their 40s and above. And though there was kind of a fat uh, white guy on the stage, and he seemed like the lead singer, and he was playing harmonica or some kind of wind instrument, and they were a blues band, 
of sorts. Jam band, blues band. It was tough to get a read on what kind of band they were, but I was enjoying it. It had a bit of funk to it. It was fun. And they're all playing. And then the big white guy, he starts like some kind of instrument solo. It's been a long time since I talked about this. And then he starts scatting. I don't know if if people are familiar with what scatting is. Let's see what I can find. Oh, let's see if this is this is it. All right, I don't know when the scatting's coming in this song. That was a great song, though. You want to finish that? It's called Nature Boy by Kurt Ellen. All right, this is a great playlist, but I don't know how I'll find scatting. You know, a scat, you know, that kind of thing. They do that, but in a good way, right? So I'm watching this band, and this band is playing, and they're having, they're jamming, and all of a sudden the white guy starts scatting, right? He starts uh, getting into the scatting, and it's like, okay, this is pretty good. And then it goes on and on and on, and then the drummer, the black guy is a drummer, and he's playing back there. He's playing along with him, and it's like, all right, it's really kicking up, and you think, oh, man. And then the guy gets up from the drums, and he comes up, to the front of the stage with the fat white guy who's scatting, and then he starts beatboxing. And they're beatboxing and scatting at the same time, and this goes on and on for many minutes. I mean, it's just like it's just like freestyle scatting and beatboxing, and people are just people are mesmerized by what's happening on stage. And then finally they they finish, the crowd goes wild. The white guy has this look on his face like, oh my gosh, that was the most amazing thing I've ever done. And I can't believe we just pulled that off out of nowhere. And that was a blast. And they just, the two of them seemed like they enjoyed that so much. And it felt like a real organic moment where people just enjoyed themselves and lost themselves in the music. And it was unbelievable. I want to play another song here. Uh, this podcast is going to be a bit of a mess, uh, but I want to play a song that, this was a song that I heard, I used to sleep with the radio on when I was at my dad's house. I used to sleep with the radio on all the time, and and, and part of the reason was I enjoyed the company. I enjoyed the no- noise in the background. But another reason was, back in those days, there was no searching for songs. There was no clicking on Spotify and finding whatever song you wanted. You The songs just played on the radio. And I would sleep with the radio on, and I would wake up sometimes, and there would be songs that I had never heard before, and I loved it. I loved this discovery of new songs. And it was just hard. It was hard to find them. You might just get to hear them the one time, and then they, they would just stick in your mind for so long, and then there was no way to just look them up. Well, this song was one of those. And I remember hearing it and being like, wow, that was such an amazing song. 
And I remember going and looking for it in a CD store one time, and they found it, but it was like 20 bucks, and I only liked the one song. So I was like, I don't know. I can't do it. And I just recently found the song again, and it, it always made me think of myself, even though I, I didn't grow up nearly as poor as this guy in this song did, but it always made me think of myself for some reason. And uh, I just think it is such an amazing song, and uh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to play a bit of it now. Um, it is a song called "Patches" by Clarence Carter. so ragged that folks used to call me Patches. Papa used to tease me about it, cause deep down inside he was hurt cause he'd done all he could. My papa was a great old man. I can see him with a shovel in his hand. See, education he never had. He did wonders when the times got bad. The little money from the crops he raised. Barely pays the bills we made. Old life that kicked him down to the ground when he tried to get up. Would kick him back down one day Papa called me to his dying bed Put his hands on my shoulders Then in tears he said He said, Patches, I'm depending on you, son To pull the family through My son, it's all left up to you Two days later, Papa passed away And I became a man that day so I told mom I was gonna quit school, but she said that was daddy's strictest rule. So every morning before I went to school, I fed the chickens and I chopped wood too. Sometimes I felt that I couldn't go on. I wanted to leave, just run away from home. But I would remember what my daddy said with tears in his eyes on his dying bed. He said, Patches, I'm depending on you, son. I tried to do my best. strong rain came and washed all the crops away and at the age of 13 I thought I was carrying the weight of the whole world on my shoulders and you know mama knew what I was going through cause every day I had to work the fields cause that's the only way we got our meals see I was the oldest of the family and everybody else depended on me every night I heard my mama pray Lord give him strength to make another took mama to a brand new home lord knows people i shed in tears but my daddy's voice kept me through the years saying patches i'm depending on your son the bullet found me through my son it's all left up to you oh i can still hear papa's voice say patches i'm depending on your son i'm trying Oh, man, what a great song. I remember waking up one night, and that song was playing, and I just, oh, man, it's so good. 
Uh, I love it. That song always makes me a bit emotional. I just think it's such a good, I mean, for one, the guy's talking about being from Alabama, and that's where I was. And I think that, you know, uh, my grandfather, I've talked about my grandfather before. I never met him. He died in 1966, but he was born in 1900. And, you know, my dad would say he would wake up at sunrise before the sun came up, and he would plow his field with a mule and one plow, and then he would come home and shower or bathe. I don't know what they did back then. And go to work at a cotton mill where he worked inside a cotton mill every day. And they, he built a house in 1947. That's when my dad was born. He built a house out of cement blocks. He built a concrete front porch. He put his initials in the porch, in the concrete. And that's where my dad still lives to this day. Um, and he built a three-bedroom house with one bathroom, has two now, it's been remodeled, and he had a fireplace in, you know, uh, the middle bedroom and in the living room, and my dad said in the wintertime, it would be so cold in there, and the bed would be so cold, he said you would get as close to the fire as you could and get as hot as you could, and then you would run and dive in your bed, and it would be like ice. Um, and there's some land there, and my, my uh, grandfather used to raise all his crops. He would grow corn for the horses to feed the horses. He would, you know, grow everything. They would eat everything, and they would share, share crops with, with each other in the area, and he raised uh, pigs and uh, stuff like that. I think that's why it's a bit offensive to my dad that I don't eat pork is because his dad used to raise and eat pigs. Uh, but, you know, uh, but I just think that's a fun time. I mean, that song always makes me think of that stuff. I love I love an old, uh, old uh, poor uh, country song, you know. Oh, I got another one. This is one. This is one that's also a a song that I'll, I think is was originally by Waylon Jennings, but I actually like um, the uh, Travis Tritt version. Let me find it. Let me go back to my playlist here. Uh, you can find a lot of these songs on Dusty Slate Country Radio on Spotify. Yeah, this is uh, Travis Tritt, Where Corn Don't Grow. I may not play the whole song. I may play it. I don't know. But this one, this is always a sad, I mean, this one always makes me think about me and my dad, too, because uh, definitely things didn't happen exactly this way. But, you know, being as how I've left, I was born on the farm and I left. But this is, this makes me think of that. As we sat on the front porch of that old gray house where I was born and raised Staring at the dusty fields where my daddy worked hard every day I think it kind of hurt him when I said, Daddy, there's a lot that I don't know But don't you ever dream about a life where corn don't grow 
just sat there sighing, staring at his favorite coffee cup. I saw a storm of mixed emotion in his eyes when he looked up. He said, son, I know at your age, it seems like this old world is turning slow. And you think you'll find the answer to it all where corn don't grow. Hard times are real, there's dusty fields, no matter where you go. change your mind cause the weeds are high where corn don't grow I mean that's such a great song if you've never heard that uh, it's got about a minute minute 40 left uh, what a great song I mean I mean I, I've come a long way uh, with who I am as a person but I can tell you I mean I've had many times where I've sat there uh, with my dad in my teenage years and my 20s and, uh, you know, dreaming about what might be outside of where I grew up. And if I could just get out of there, what I could, you know, do or accomplish. And I think a lot of the, in a lot of ways, um, I was right, right? I could get out of there and I could accomplish things. And I've, you know, I've done a lot of things. You know, I've been on TV. I've been on, um, you know, the stage at the Grand Old Opry. I mean, all the things that you would hope to accomplish when you're living in a small town going, if I could just get out of here, uh, what could I do, right? I've done those things. But I got to tell you, I mean, being home this past, this past time, even though it was only for a day, and maybe that's why I feel this way because it was only for a day, but I was like, man, this feels great here. I mean, we're living in a crazy time right now where everywhere you go, you got to wear a mask inside. There's riots all over the country. There's protests, riots. I mean, there is, I mean, a lot going on. And I just think as I'm sitting out there, I went out to my car one night uh, on Friday night, late Friday night to get something out of there. And I just heard the crickets and the bullfrogs and just total quietness except for nature. And I just, I was hanging out with people and I'm just thinking, man, this is a definitely a simpler way. And, um, and I, I mean, who knows when we're even going to get to do shows again? I mean, who knows what's happening? And it just felt good. I mean, I do not like the masked world that's been created, the masked world that's happening. I mean, whether you agree with the mask or don't agree with the mask, it doesn't matter. I don't like it. I mean, it's like... I'm not arguing. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I don't like it. I don't like walking through a store and not being able to see people's facial expressions. I don't like, uh, it's just not, it's not how we're supposed to be living. That's for sure. And I mean, it's just crazy out here. And I'm just like, man, what a fun time sitting at the Penton Grill and, it, and, and sitting at the Abanda Cafe and just being like, man. I mean, you know, I mean, I went to a restaurant here in Nashville the other day, a restaurant I've been to many times and I have, and it's a one that you go up and you order, it's a uh, taco place, burrito place, and you go up and you, you know, you order at the counter. It's not 
It's a local place. It's not Moe's. It's not Chipotle. And you order at the counter. You tell them what you want. And, and you have to wear a mask coming in. But when you sit down at the table, you can take your mask off. But at the counter, you have to wear a mask. And, and, and that's where it's important to be able to communicate with people is right there at that counter. And so I just pulled my mask down a bit so I could tell them what I wanted. And the guy, you know, was yelling at me, you got to wear a mask. You got to wear a mask. And he was like really yelling. And it's like, you know, it's like, dude, I'm just trying to order here. It's pretty hard to order but behind this N95 mask. But then I sat down at the table and it's okay to take the mask off. And I, I'm just, I've always been a logical kind of common sense thinker. And it just doesn't make sense to me. Nothing about that makes sense. If I'm free to breathe the same air here that I am there, I, I don't know. I mean, I get it, you know, but there's, you know, there's, there's glass up to protect you from spitting into the counter. And uh, it's just, uh, it's wild times. And I uh, am really kind of uh, desiring a simpler time. I mean, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm fine. I'm happy, and I'm happy next week to do 2011 of the Spectre side thing. And um, this podcast, if you listened, if you've made it this far, it may be a little choppy because I'm going to have to do a little editing because of our technical difficulties and whatnot. And, uh, but uh, thanks for being here. And uh, as always, we are having a good time. And don't let me, thinking about simpler times, think, that I'm not having a good time because life's good and I'm loving what's going on. I got some gifts from some people and I'd like to make a video and film, film those gifts and put those out to people. But, uh, I've had some stuff I had, you know, I had a cat to get rid of. I've had red bugs or chiggers as some people call them that have eaten up my legs. And I also had a tooth pulled, uh, and had an implant put in and that I did that yesterday. So that is a surgery, uh, but I, they were able to numb my mouth and pull the tooth out with me awake, and that's a weird feeling. Uh, but anyway, thanks, for guys, for tuning in, and we're having a good time.